Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we have a special podcast, sort of an interim podcast between waiting for the next season of Discovery and Strange New Worlds. And today we're going to talk about the original series pilot, The Cage. Now, do I, do I even need to ask you if you like this one? Yeah, I did like it. it <laughs> it's funny, though, because when I originally watched TOS back in 1966 and when it first aired we didn't know about this pilot it never aired so when the menagerie aired i had no idea it was an unaired pilot i was six i didn't know what an unaired pilot was anyway so i'm sure somewhere along the line somebody probably told me that and maybe when i was older and watching reruns i don't know but i do remember always love the menagerie yes i do i know the episode was released on video somewhere in the late 80s but i really don't know when i finally first saw it i actually did a little bit of research on this this was um, produced in 1965, and it's actually copywritten in 1964. So really earlier in the 60s. And of course, I think you probably have read the same thing that I've read is that it was, you know, rejected by the network as being, quote, too cerebral. Right. I think Roddenberry said that once in an interview. So I actually was looking at it when I watched it again, thinking, okay, I'm going to evaluate the cerebralness of this episode and you know it really still holds up well yeah it's a little quirky and yes it's very slow it's compared to you know the episodes we watch now where there's so much going on from the get-go and right. there's just so much information and so much i don't want to say action because it isn't always action but the characters are always taking some action doing something you know and we're in this beginning of this one they stood around a lot watching the stars right <laughs> <laughs> Which, but it was, kind, it was still kind of cool and you know you're kind of laughing a little bit at the 1964 special effects for stars and yet it worked yeah it totally worked it did my son wanted to know why all these people were just standing around the bridge just standing there well it was it was funny and i rewatched it yesterday it, it almost looked like i don't know if you ever watched barney miller uh-uh. at the end whatever they were doing if they were laughing or whatever they were freeze frame it yeah some of the scenes on the bridge that's what it looked like they were doing because nobody was moving yeah they were just standing there staring well and i explained to him you know all the the people that were there, I think that I thought they were trying to mimic like a naval ship with all the people that might be on a naval ship, you maybe. know, like an assistant with the clipboard and, you know, other people standing there, maybe, maybe even like security officers standing overseeing the bridge, you know, th- if that was what I was think they were trying to mimic. That may be. I, I don't, I don't know, but I was kind of thinking that. The other thing that I thought was really um, interesting was that I actually watched, this is my first time of seeing this particular version. I got to watch the remastered version. Okay. And it was the entire version. In the past, I'd actually seen it because I, I, I'm a little younger than you are, so I didn't see it frequently until it was in syndication, which right. was the early 70s. And I think I was I was born the year Star Trek 
came out and so i think it was about four when it went into syndication and i ate it up even at the age of four i loved it but i'd seen this you know in reruns and it had been compressed to fill whatever syndicated channel was running it their time frame and add all the commercials that of course they would add in right so there were parts of this that actually i had never seen before yeah and that was fun there was dialogue between pike and vena that i had never seen before and i had never seen some of the longer scenes of the menagerie itself to see the creatures there okay i'd seen little bits yeah but not the sort of extended full version of what they had available so i really enjoyed it and the remastering is beautiful the color is just really nice it's very vivid it's very fresh and sharp Mm -hmm. it's really the remastering is quite nice i know i've seen it enough because i was able to quote dialogue oh really see i haven't seen it enough because I, I, my my son was like, is this new? And I'm like, oh, no, this is really, really old. And then I quote a dialogue to him. And he says, you've seen this before? And I'm like, uh-huh. Because, you know, whatever. But then there was dialogue I'd never heard before, which right. was really neat. I, I really enjoyed it. So uh, do we want to assume that our listeners have not seen this and go through the plot very quickly? Or do we want to go ahead and assume that our folks are Star Trek fans and they've seen yeah, this? Yeah, that's up to you, whatever you have ready. Well, we'll do just a really quick plot. And why don't we go ahead and do it this way? The reason that Vicky and I chose to talk about The Cage uh, during this sort of interim time between the next seasons of the series that we've been talking about is because we had this conversation at the beginning of Strange New Worlds about when that series takes place relative to this story. Right. So, and of course, Vicky reminded me that Stranger Worlds actually takes place after this story. Right. And so, but then we thought we wanted to go back and look at it because this turns out to be a very pivotal moment in Pike's life as discussed or presented in the original series episode that you mentioned earlier, The Menagerie. Just for folks who may not be familiar, Gene Roddenberry came out with this episode, The Cage, presented it to the network. The network was like, too cerebral, start again. And so they redid the show using the script for The Man Trap, which is the episode with the salt monster. Yeah. And Jeffrey Hunter was no longer available, and actually he was not interested in doing television, so he went on to do movies. He only wanted to focus on movies. So he declined to redo a new pilot, so they got William Shatner, they kept Leonard Nimoy, they got a few other people, but mostly um, it was new cast. And then they filmed The Man Trap, and that was accepted by the network, and that was the beginning of the Star Trek that we know and love that started the whole, you know, the whole ball wax rolling. So yeah. that was the original series. But what they did in the middle, and I don't remember what season it was. I'm thinking it was the first season. It was first season. So what they did in that first season with The Menagerie is they actually took the cage, this pilot that they had filmed that had been rejected, and inserted it into a two-part episode that told this story, but from the perspective of Spock trying to help Captain Pike, who by this time had been badly injured by the Delta Rays by the accident that took place with the cadets. That is the foundation of Pike's stress in Strange New Worlds because he learned about this from the Time Stone. Did I get all that? Yes. So people who may not have ever seen The Cage will probably have seen The Menagerie. The Menagerie is like bits and pieces. I mean, it's like shorter than what this version of The Cage is that you can now see that's been remastered. Yeah, it's shorter, but it's quite a lot of it. Yes, it is. Yeah, and still to this day, that's one of my 
favorite episode. Well, two episodes. Yeah, it's actually an excellent episode because I think The Cage is a really good story. Yeah. I don't think it's too cerebral. And I think that the network did not understand at the time, and sometimes I still think they don't understand, how hungry people are for smart science fiction. Yes. There's nothing wrong with cerebral. There is an audience out there for it. Right. Yeah. So it's a good story. It's a smart story. And and like I said, it still holds up as a story. Yes. Um, And so when they put it into the menagerie, they put this really smart story into another story about loyalty mm-hmm. and compassion and i don't even know how to explain it, it, it uh, what else what, what are the other themes that you think come out of the menagerie well you're right loyalty compassion and friendship friendship and that there are times when you have to break the rules in order to do what's right exactly which became a theme of star trek that you can find in every one of the spinoffs absolutely we're going to pause right here for a quick break we'll be right back Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. Attention Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicky continue on with the warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th, the series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So the cage is the story about Captain Pike and his encountering the uh, inhabitants of Talos 4, who, having ruined their world with terrible war it's i don't think she ever vino when she tells the story i don't think she ever says it was nuclear war but that's the implication Mm -hmm. and remember this is less than 20 years after hiroshima and nagasaki so this is still very much in people's minds and this is right after the united states is coming out of you know the red scare and mccarthyism in the 50s and when people were building bomb shelters and fallout shelters and so this was 1964 1962 is when the bay of pigs incident happened which brought the world you know to the brink yes of nuclear war with the soviets and so that's really on people's minds so while vena doesn't say nuclear war i think we can assume that's the assumption here is that the, the Talosians nuked themselves practically out of existence and we're now living underground right and they're in their underground life with nothing else to do but stare at rocks they developed their mental powers and they became telepaths or at least maybe they became better telepaths i don't know if they started off that way but also creators of illusion yes and with this power of illusion they trick the enterprise and captain pike into believing that there are human survivors and their whole goal is to take a human survivor that did actually exist from a crash and pair her with captain pike to start building a human race of slaves so that they could start repopulating the planet above for the telosians yes and so this whole story is about pike trying to figure out how to get out 
out of the cage that they put him in as part of their zoo to mate him with Vina. Mm-hmm. And when he didn't show any interest in her, then they brought number one and a yeoman down. And of course, number one's played by Majel Barrett, who I have always loved. Always, even when I was four, loved the idea of having this woman who's second in command on the bridge. Yeah. Anyway, so in the end, of course... They escape, and they escape by virtue of their own humanity. So the thing that the Talosians wanted from Pike, which was his adaptability as a human, was the thing that they actually couldn't keep Pike and the rest of the humans for, because how did the Talosian put it? You show a unique hatred of captivity. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So they let them go. But in the end, Vina has to stay, because as the survivor of this crash that actually did happen, and this is, I always thought this was a little funny, and we can talk about this in a second. They put her back together after they found her wounded and dying, but they put her together wrong. Right. Because they didn't have a plan. And I always thought to myself, yeah, okay, well, they're actually two arms, two legs. Yes. (laughs) So, but maybe they're not. Maybe that was part of the, it just occurred to me that maybe that was part of the. Of their illusion. The illusion that they actually didn't look like that. And they just made themselves look like that so the humans would be more comfortable. But they don't actually say that in the episode. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, you guys have two arms and two legs and a single head. Don't you think maybe that's a good place to start? But anyway. So she's been badly injured. She doesn't want to go because then she will always be this badly injured person and the Talosians will, you know, give her her illusion of beauty and health and that's where she prefers to be. Now, here is something that I actually recognize that I had never seen before. There's something I never saw before too. Go ahead. Okay, so at the end, when they said, we will give her her illusion of beauty and more, Pike turns to see her standing there beautiful again And there's another version of himself. I don't remember ever seeing that. I don't remember ever seeing that either. So I think that's something they must have cut out of the episode when they made it to accommodate commercials. Maybe. And with this remastered version, this is the original version as it was originally done. Right, because I was thinking about it. In the menagerie, there is a scene, I believe, of him walking, holding hands. So, yeah, it must have been there at some point, but I do not remember ever seeing that before. Me neither. That was brand new to me, and I thought, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's why this is so important, this whole story. And, and it's it's good to understand that because of their power of illusion and the danger that they presented, after this episode, Starfleet and the Federation actually made Talos for off-limit. And to the point where you would get the death penalty for going there. Right. And so that's where the menagerie comes in and this breaking the rules for friendship and for, to do the right thing comes in because this is what Spock did. He broke the rules to go back to Talos 4 at the risk of being put to death for it. Right. Which, by the way, I think the death penalty disappears in the Federation after this. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was a thing. But it was for that episode. <laughs> and he did that so in order to take the now wounded and completely incapacitated Captain Pike to Talos 4 where the Talosians would give him his illusion of health. Yeah. And and so that's the end of the menagerie. And so that's the end of Pike's story. If Strange New Worlds stick, sticks to that canon from the original series. Right. I have to imagine they will, but who knows? I think they will too. And actually, I kind of like that. Right. That we know that these adventures are going to come to an end and we know how they're going to come to an end. I kind of actually am enjoying that about the series. Yes. Like I said, uh, whatever episode it was, I don't want to be constantly reminded of it, but I do like that we do know it. Yeah, cool. 
So that's essentially the story. I mean, again, if people have seen The Menagerie, they've seen most of it. Right, right. And if you haven't seen The Menagerie, we, we encourage you to go watch The Menagerie right now and go watch The Cage. <laughs> right. The remastered version is, like I said, really beautiful. I, I was just surprised that the colors are so sharp. You know, it's been how many years? Oh. It'll be how many years in 2024? 60 years? 60, probably, yeah. 60 years. So this is almost 60 years old and looks just beautiful. Right, yeah. Very cool. So anything that I missed about this? I was remembering something that I found funny on Twitter a while back, and it was when season two of Discovery aired. There was a short trek with Una and Spock laughing and singing in a turbo lift. <laughs> And I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> I specifically remember reading a comment. It was from one of those I hate the new Trek people, oh, you know, yeah, complaining that Spock laughing in a turbo lift was not canon and he's never going to watch the show again. But besides the fact that this person's not taking into consideration that this was a younger Spock and, you know, we don't know yeah. how long it took for him to evolve into the Spock we knew, but it actually is canon because he's laughing in this episode. Yes, yes, he does. He laughs and he smiles. And I think he per- completely purged himself of emotion during his they call it the colonar right and that was the beginning of star trek the movie the first movie right and i don't think he actually finished it because he heard the call of Viger. i think you're right they brought that up in strange new worlds because uh what was her name that, that woman who took over the ship oh the wicked witch of the west no 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 the in strange new worlds uh, oh the woman who took over the strip in strange new worlds you mean the pirate yes okay the, i don't remember her name they were talking about colonar as well in that episode and he did say that he hasn't gone through it yet. Yeah. But, and then on the other hand, it was funny because I also read another comment from somebody who must have just for some reason started watching the original series. Yeah. And they were like, a clip show in the first season? I replied, I said, well, it wasn't a clip show because that original episode never aired at that point when they made the menagerie. Yeah. But it's funny the way people get upset about things. Well, and I'm going to go ahead and venture with an opinion here. Here it comes. Go ahead. (laughs) If people are thinking, oh, you can't do that because that's not canon, when it's a expansion or exploration of an idea, then they're really missing the point of Star Trek, which is about embracing new things. Right. Embracing change, yes. And embracing change. Yes. And valuing the infinite diversity and in infinite combinations. Yep. Now, of course, you know, if they make Pike live and not, you know, not get injured in this accident, okay, that changes canon, but then how does it change it? Is it a new timeline? I mean, you know, with the Kelvin movies, they threw open all kinds of possibilities. Right. And people love those movies. Right. A lot of people, anyway. But I think they're not bashing them for canon at that point because they know it's a different timeline. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? People have to kind of work through stuff on their own, and occasionally they work through stuff out loud on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just found it funny. Yeah. Any other thoughts that we have about The Cage? No. I liked it. I enjoyed watching it again today. I don't know when the last time I actually watched it was, but I enjoyed watching it today. I enjoyed it too, I, and and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I was yeah. like, this just really still works. It really still works. It almost seems disrespectful to give it a rating, but let's go ahead and do so. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this one? Um, I would still give it an 8, because I did enjoy it. I'd give it a 9. And I enjoyed what they did with it in the menagerie, so I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, all right, good. Okay, so we don't yet have any dates that we're aware of for the next season of either Discovery or Strange New Worlds, do we? No, I'm going to guess Discovery's. I don't know why I think January. I don't know why. 
Well, they just started filming again. How long does it take for them to film? Well, I think they release before they're done. So, but I'm going to guess, did last season come out in January? I don't remember. But I know it's 2023. (laughs) Okay. Well, yep. There you go. So for some reason, I'm thinking it's January. And then any ideas on Strange New Worlds? No, I haven't heard anything about that. But I'm going to assume, maybe I'm wrong, that Discovery is going to come first. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I would, I would assume that too. We could be wrong, but that, that seems like... That seems logical. Most, yeah. <laughs> most probable. Right. And then, so we may actually have to pop in with a few more podcasts here and there. And if our listeners have any suggestions or anything they want us to talk about, any episodes they want us to talk about, go ahead and pop it in the comments and let us know wherever you get this, whether it's on uh, your favorite podcast station or we have a Facebook page too, so you can pop it in the comments there. And mm-hmm. You've got a Twitter for this, so... Let us know, and we will see what we can do about uh, talking about that episode you suggest. Okay. And we'll be back with the second episode in our five-episode series of Captain Pike's Timeline with If Memory Serves from Season 2, Episode 8, Star Trek Discovery. Cool. Okay. Well, until next time, thank you very much. Okay. We'll see you next time. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye-bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook, at facebook.com slash moms going boldly and on twitter at moms going boldly the music used on moms going boldly is without limits by ross bugden music on twitter at ross bugden licensed under a creative commons attribution license creativecommons.org you can listen to moms going boldly on podbean spotify google Podcasts, stitcher and player fm And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.